Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about the Australian Labor Party's proposed changes to capital gains tax uh, because uh, the negative gearing changes have certainly garnished a significant amount of attention uh, and there's been almost no attention on the increase in capital gains tax. And it's, I guess, an interesting insight into human behaviour and the way we think that we tend to overemphasise short-term consequences and play down uh, much more significant longer-term outcomes. Uh, but since we're all uh, long-term investors, I suggest that we should probably adopt a more balanced view and look at the negative gearing changes and the capital gains tax changes in context. So uh, let's look at them then and let's firstly understand what is the current arrangement. So currently uh, you're entitled to, if you hold an asset for more than 12 months, entitled to a 50% reduction in the capital in the net capital gain. So the way that you calculate your net capital gain is that you... Uh, firstly, calculate the net sales, net sale proceeds, and then reduce the written down acquisition cost base, and that gives you your net gross capital gain or loss. So the net sale proceeds is really you know your sale price, less any associated selling costs like agent fees and marketing and those sorts of things. The written down acquisition cost is really the original purchase price plus all acquisition costs and that could include stamp duty, buyers, agent fees, legal fees, inspection fees and so on. But you have to reduce that cost base by any depreciation that you've claimed in respect to that asset. So that's called the written down acquisition cost. Uh, and so the difference between those two numbers, if it's a positive number, that's a capital gain. And then you discount that capital gain by 50% so you halve it. And, and so half of that gain then is added to your assessable taxable income uh, in your tax return in that, in that respective year and then you're taxed at marginal individual rates uh, on that. So that's the current arrangement and that was brought in by the Howard government. Uh, prior to that, what they used to do is index the cost base, so just index it with inflation and then calculate the uh, gain as a result of doing that. Now, the ALP has said if they win the election on the 18th of May, they will halve the discount from 50% to 25%. So essentially, that's going to increase the amount of tax you pay by about 50%. Uh, so let's have a look at that uh, using just some very small numbers. If you crystallise a net capital gain of, say, $100, well, currently you'd be able to discount that. You'd halve that. So only $50 of that gain would be included in your tax return. And if you were on the highest marginal tax rate of 47%, you would pay $23.50 in tax. However, if the AOP gets their changes across, assuming they win the election, of course, uh, your discount is only 25%. So your $100 capital gain would actually reduce to $75. And so $75 multiplied by 47%, your tax rate, means that you're paying $35.25. So $23.5 versus $35, that's almost an extra $12 or 50% uh, more tax. These CGD changes only apply to investments made on or after 1 January 2020. So if you're investing in this calendar year, you still are entitled to the 50% discount. But after that fact, uh, you won't be. 
Of course, the legislation is not out yet, so we don't really know the nitty-gritty detail. But if we're talking about property, it's most likely to go off contract date rather than settlement date. So if you sign a contract on the 31st of December 2019, for example, you should get the 50% discount. Uh, The caveat there is we haven't seen the legislation, but uh, normally tax legislation goes off contract date rather than settlement date. Uh, So uh, what does this mean? Well, if we're paying more capital gains tax, uh, potentially uh, it it impacts, or not potentially, it does impact assets that provide most of their return in capital rather than income. So most growth assets will provide two types of returns, income and capital growth. You add them together, that's the total return. It's the split of that return between income and capital growth that's important because the high growth assets, the ones that are providing most of the return in capital growth, will obviously be impacted the most by these uh, this new CGT uh, regime. And really the two asset classes that stand out, the two most popular or common asset classes that stand out, are really direct property, and particularly residential property, and international shares. So if we have a look at direct property, the average growth rate across the five largest capital cities in Australia since 1980 – pretty long uh, data set, deep data set, 7.2%. Now, that's the median growth rate. Uh, If you apply some asset selection fundamentals and you invest in, select and invest in uh, an investment-grade property, you would hopefully generate a capital growth in excess over over the long run, in excess of 7.2%. Now, in terms of income, property might have gross rental yields of, let's say, between 2 and 5%. But that's before you pay for expenses such as property management, maintenance, insurance, um, water, rates, all these sorts of things. So really your rental yield after expenses, all associated direct expenses with that property, is probably um, uh, south of 2%. You know, it's probably 2% or or lower. You know, it's a really low yielding asset. So you might get, say, 8% growth and 2% income. There's an 80-20 split there between growth and income. Uh, the same is true with international shares. So the MSCI World Index has appreciated in value by just under 8% since uh, December 1987 when the index began. Uh, and the current rental yields about 2%. So very similar to, I guess, direct property in Australia in terms of the split between uh, income and yield. Uh, it's interesting to note that Australian shares are a bit of a standout, a bit different to uh, other developed markets. Uh, they tend to provide uh, a significantly higher amount of dividend income, around sort of 4 4.5% on a on a broad-based index approach, the ASX 2 or 300. Uh, and you probably get a similar amount in terms of capital growth as well, so almost 50-50 uh, growth in income. Uh, So in the show notes, I've included a table which sort of compares the after-tax income and uh, and the impact of the ALP's policy. Um, And so, for example, uh, property versus Australian shares, uh, the the after-tax return is reduced by 0.85 of a percent with respect to property, uh, but only 0.58% with respect to Australian equities and that's because more in, more of the return is generated income so it's it's um, it's less exposed to this new higher capital gains tax uh, rate. So obviously it's a reasonably substantial impact and you could be excused for concluding and say well 
I'm not going to invest in international shares or property. I'm going to invest in Australian equities from now on because of this uh, tax outcome. Well, that would be a, a relatively um, uneducated and silly and risky uh, conclusion to draw. Of course, what we need to do is have a diversified asset allocation and we can't just uh, build an, a, a portfolio just around one particular uh, or potential, I should say, tax outcome because tax can change over time. Um, but what can we do? Well, firstly, the point I'd like to make is that these, the impact of this change is substantially more than the negative gearing change. So I calculated that the um, present value of the impact of negative gearing changes over a 20-year period, so if we went and bought a property today for $750,000 and we had gearing and we had no gearing, what is the present value? So present value means I've discounted back in today's dollars to make it relatable of the, the difference in cash flows and it ends up being just under $83,000. So that's the negative gearing differential. Now when we look at the differential in capital gains tax as a result of the ALP's changes, uh, over a 20-year period it's $150,000 in today's dollars. So it's almost double what gearing is but we certainly have seen a lot more media around the banning of negative gearing rather than the increase in capital gains tax. And the increase in capital gains tax affects all investors, not just property investors, but obviously share investors as well. And so why does it, why is it getting more attention? Uh, the problem with the gearing changes, or sorry, the, the capital gains tax changes, is that they get worse the longer we hold the assets. So the same example, uh, as I said, after 20 years, it's $150,000 difference in today's dollars. Well, after 30 years, the differential increases to $275,000. And after 30 years, the present value of the negative gearing changes actually decreases to $57,000. So it's $275 versus $50,000. Big difference, nearly five times the difference. Uh, now, the uh, negative gearing uh, impact reduces over time because you get to eventually benefit from the carry forward losses associated with that property. So it will save you some tax in the future, just won't save you tax today. Um, so it's not really, we shouldn't be really describing as a banning of negative gearing rather than more correctly a delay in negative gearing. Anyway, I explain that in the blog slash show notes so you can have a look at that. Uh, so what should you do as a result of these changes? Uh, well, uh, firstly, let's assume that the ALP wins the election on the 18th of May uh, and also that they get these changes across as proposed. What do you do with it? Well, um, firstly, think about entities, using entities. Uh, the, as super funds, the best entity to use to avoid capital gains tax in, in totality because if you end up with a balance of less than one point six million dollars on retirement uh it, it's a as it stands now a, a tax-free environment uh, so your capital gains tax rate is zero so that's the best entity to invest in or build wealth in uh, but we can't be too super centric we need to have diversified portfolios so the second best entity is potentially a family trust um, if you put it into a discretionary family trust uh, and you make a capital gain, you can potentially distribute that gain to multiple people, individuals in your family, particularly if you've got adult children that aren't working, maybe go to uni. They can be, uh, they can be very valuable uh, tax planning assets. Uh, I never heard anyone describe a child as an asset before you, but there you go. Um, 
but also, I must warn you that the ALP has also suggested it might start uh, applying a flat tax rate to discretionary trusts and sort of closing uh, that flexibility to distribute income. Uh, now, g- different governments have talked about that over the last uh, really 20 to 30 years and no changes have ever been made. So I'm sceptical about uh, whether such a significant uh, change to tax law could uh, be successfully made. But anyway, it is what it is. Uh, the last option is really making sure your assets are spread across uh, evenly between you and your spouse if you've got one. Um, uh, you know, if you've got an even, even asset split, at least then you're sharing the income and capital gains as, as best as you can. Uh, so in summary, a lot of changes coming our way if the ALP wins the election on 18, 18th of May. And whilst in, on the face of it might seem entirely negative, I'm sure that it will create market opportunities for investors, you know, particularly ones that are astute enough to be looking for the opportunity, looking for the positives rather than negatives. Um, but like anything, you know, building wealth successfully, you just need to take a really long-term approach, invest in really good quality assets and make sure you're getting uh, astute, strategic, independent advice, you know, so that you can hang on to as much of that wealth as you accumulate and lose less in taxes and, and so forth. Um, you know, some good good quality sort of direction and strategy can end up saving literally hundreds and thousands of dollars in tax uh, tax alone, uh, not with, notwithstanding other benefits. Uh, so there's lots of lots of changes, and I think uh, you know if you're looking or contemplating um, the the policies, the taxation policies, and how they're going to impact your investments. I guess what I'd like to invite you to do, um, particularly if you've already if you already own some negatively geared assets and you don't necessarily plan to acquire any substantial. Uh, negatively geared assets in the future, then I would argue that your attention should be firmly on the capital gains tax changes, uh, certainly more than the negative gearing changes. Anyway, there you have it. Until next week, uh, bye for now.